Okay. I guess I'll, I can count us down. Three. This is a three. Two. <clears throat> Welcome to a very special episode of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I am your host, uh, Cecilia Alfonso Stokes, and I am joined by the illustrious, the resplendent, the majestic, the sparkly, Shivani Banfall. Shivani, how are you? I'm great. Those were so many words. Um, <laughs> thank you. I uh, workshop them all day. So. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to start using them. Resplendent <laughs> is a fun one. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> but yes, we are here doing this very uh, special episode together in honor of Women's Month, Women's History Month. Um, yay really, women. I think it kind of started, yes, yay women. I think it kind of started with us being like, well, should we talk about women for an hour? Um, and I don't see anything wrong with that. But yeah, so we're going to have a nice fun conversation between two women who love our Marvel and are working in kind of the domains of cultural production from various angles and kind of uh, talking about what it's like, how being a woman has informed our relationship to art, to these works of cultural production and in other ways, maybe not. Um, so because of that, I'm just going to jump into us. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I honestly, I want to start with like how you and I met. So give me like your interpretation of like how we came to know each other. This podcast brought us yeah. together. <laughs> the, yes. The MCU podcast uh, brought us together. And then I think the daddy's podcast made our friendship stronger. So shout out yeah. the daddy's podcast. And Not then the daddy's podcast, Patreon, um, month. yeah. And just getting to interact with each other through the discord and just social media. It, we just started to build friendship and shout out female friendship because it is very important. <laughs> it is very important. And a female friendship <clears throat> kind of finding friendship through our interests, but then also building that companionship and camaraderie based on being women, because sometimes you just need in a sea of men. <laughs> but know. I will say that since this <laughs> podcast brought us together, this yes. podcast is just, it's, you know, um, AC, Jake, even Jerome, the kindest people that really just um support women on so many like yeah the three people that are just so supportive of women and I can already say like all of the guests that have been women on the podcast are so impressive in so many different aspects and so sh just shout out the pod in general for just showcasing women all around and being supportive Ugh. yes yeah definitely it's it's very strange because like to kind of like lead with like, I am a woman and this is my voice and you need to center women's like, and then eventually, I don't know if you're like this, whenever I think about it, about like woman too long, like what, what it means. I'm like, oh boy, this is all starting to unravel really quickly. <laughs> so 
Yeah. So I am really, really grateful for, for this podcast and um, even just the, the friendships, I mean, the friendships we've been able to make with each other have been really, really special. And I'm already been planning my, my trip to the Bay area for a while. Yay. Yay. I'm blushing at the, you know, people can't, the listeners can't see, but I'm blushing. I was was like telling my daughter, Rosa, my seven-year-old daughter, um, so I was like, we're well, doing a podcast for Women's Month, and it's my Marvel podcast. And she's like, I don't understand. And then I was like, I'm doing it with my friend Shivani. She's like, Oh, and I was like, Would you like to see Shivani? And she, we we're looking at like Shivani's, <laughs> and she's like, She looks so nice. She's so pretty. And I was like, She is, and she is. And so, so are you. Okay, we're just like it's just gonna be like five minutes of flattery for each other because we just. Yes care for each other so much um oh everyone cringing at us right now as they listen yeah, but um I hope you guys find <laughs> friendship like this because it's so- yes yes I think Jane Fonda always talks about the importance of female friendship so we're just being like Jane Fonda of the how feminist- everyone should be <laughs> yeah feminist icon Jane Fonda <clears throat> yeah so we have both been on this podcast um, a few times, and behind the paywall, you probably get to know, if you've heard us behind behind the paywall on the Patreon pods, you might get to know a little bit more about us, you know, usually that gets, anyway, again, join Patreon, very fun. Um, <laughs> but to get to know a little bit more about us, um, I'll just start kind of with our professions basically so I will start with you Shiv so kind of like if you can kind of just explain a little bit of your background getting into uh your work now and yeah sure I'm gonna flip-flop it a little bit so I'll talk about my present profession which is (laughs) um I am a story and development producer for a pretty big film studio and television studio um that i asked if i could say them my name but i'm not allowed to so we're just if you're in the discord if you're you know a patreon person you have probably seen me talk about it or interact with people about works that i'm working on so join the discord that's we'll, we'll say that um but um i'm my role and what i do in my everyday is kind of one of the most like hated people in television and film right now um, by a lot of fan bases. And that's because I, someone recently really simplified it. And um, I thought it was like the funniest thing ever when they simplified it. It was like, you wokeify TV and film. And I do. And I think it's funny that people think it, uh, think it like that, but I invest and world build for diversion or diversion diversity inclusion um equity and belonging diversion is a a good one too though but um uh you know for me though it's not wokeifying it's more that i center empathy that's how i see my everyday um in storytelling um i'm making sure that where we storytell and what we're talking about in film and television is very like 
humanized and centered around empathy and teaching, you know, those social and emotional mm. things. Because I think how we interpret the stories and how we see them is so important. And like moving forward in film and television, mm. being able to see yourself on a lens or feel for a character despite them being different from you is really important. And um, that's where, you know, diversity, equity really comes in in television and film. And a lot of that for me is built based on how my background was. I've, I've been in advertising. I've been in design. I did um, storytelling in so many different formats. So I did, uh, like I said, advertising, design, where I was working in um, sportswear and shoe creation, which is storytelling in its own way, but through a product. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I went to work in human rights. Um, and I uh, worked in human rights and prevention for genocide and uh, mass violence in the world. I've done humanitarian efforts. So I think a lot of the community might know me as that person that like knows what organizations to donate to. And that's because yeah. <laughs> of the human rights aspect of it. But even then, like you have to storytell to get people to feel and to give and donate, right? So, and then from there, you know, I went back and was like, uh, you know, human rights kind of destroyed me to some extent and working mm -hmm. in it because it was just so much um, overwhelming every single day that you were just interacting with on like a global level. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this as my side thing. And what do I want to do as my main thing? And I somehow stumbled upon film and television. So um, got to work on a really cool space cowboyish TV show. That was the thing that brought me back. And um, uh, from then, I've now worked in documentaries. I work in, um, you know, like these... Uh, what do I want to say? Nerd centric fan base shows, which <laughs> a lot of people watch and I watch and love. And then now, um, you know, I'm thinking about where in television and film I want to make things for. And do I want to make things that are more centered on women, which is kind of mm -hmm. where we're here. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the idea, I think it's so interesting because like the word woke is the one that goes around and I'm just even like, you're just kind of explaining that moment of realization, which is done through empathy. Like empathy is just kind of like a series of like becoming aware and awakened and <laughs> woked to uh, things happening to other people. And so it is such a strange thing to have turned into a derogative Term, but I love the emphasis that you put on empathy. I think that's definitely a driving, um, a driving force kind of behind my stuff as well. And then yes, nerd centric stuff is really we're just like we love nerd centric stuff and also care about the world being better. So let's like marry those two things. And what does it look like to have those two things? work together um it's also like using it as like a vehicle right like some a lot right. of people don't even realize that a lot of the television and film that they're getting right now is actually changing them right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah and yes yes I wholeheartedly agree um so I will I will uh give a little bit of like my 
kind of background because um, it's a little bit, it's quite different, but then also it like meets in the middle so perfectly. Um, and so I am, I have mentioned this before, I am getting a PhD in literary studies and literary studies is like this very, very, very large, broad, ambiguous thing at this point, which has kind of just come to mean like, we study things of cultural production. So like my dissertation will include literature, but it will probably have a lot more to do with film and especially television. Cause I realized I'm very interested in television and specifically like the role that television has in influencing culture for very similar reasons as you should. And so um, <clears throat> where um, I ended up there, I've ended up here if I couldn't even tell you all the ways I am like, I um, went to a very, very teeny tiny college for undergrad that my family, I would not say that they were like, they're very, they love college or, you know, higher education much generally, I'm quite skeptical towards it. Um, and I'm the oldest of five kids and we just, my dad was the only um, financial provider for the first two years before I went to college. He was in the hospital for various injuries and things. And so we also just didn't have money. So like college was already kind of like a very fraught situation. I ended up going for English. And then, you know, as one does in a Christian college, I got married by the end of it and then had, you know, a kid the next year and then another kid the next year. Um, and then it was after that where, you know, I'm 23, I have two kids and a college degree. And I was like, did I just peak? Like, is this it? Is this it for oh, me? No. <laughs> I was like, I did everything I was supposed to do as a woman. And now I'm done. What now? And so I had a lot of um, existential crises. And then eventually um, my husband's my very sweet husband, Brent, was like, Cecilia, you love school. Like, you know that's what you want to do. Just go do it. And so I somehow managed to get myself to do so. And so um, now we live, I'm at UW or University of Wisconsin-Madison getting my PhD in literary studies. And I think that a lot of people try to get to, to try to explain like what it does, what lit studies does versus like media studies, for example, which does actually like do film and television is it's like our approach to a text is very different. We do tend to remove the, we don't remove the creator, but we don't look at it from the point of view of like the creative side. It's very much the, this thing now exists. It's like an entity in and of itself. It's like an existential fact, this work of art now exists and is circulating in society. And so how how is its meaning kind of collectively given over time? Um, kind of like how a word will change meaning over time as it moves through history and different cultural moments. Um, it's a very similar thing with, with art for us. So we're kind of like looking at it from the other from a very diff from the other side, um, okay. but the idea of <laughs> of empathy um, is still really important to me because what I'm really interested in is how um, arts 
and especially popular culture. I'm very invested in popular culture um, because it has such a significant influence on the way people think about the world and about each other and about themselves. Um, So, yeah, so that's kind of where we're finding our way towards the middle. Um, Can can I just say that? We just need to say that it's incredible that you're going for your PhD in lit studies because that is <laughs> difficult and still being a full-time mom. So like shout out all of the different um, women that listen to this pod and all of the different things yeah. that they do. Cause this, I mean, come on, like that's impressive in so many different aspects to me. So um, you doing that a type of analysis in addition to everything else that you're doing is and doing like this podcast, like, wow. Um, yes. <laughs> Worship me, pay me your taxes for I am your queen. I'm just kidding. Worship me 2023. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, yeah. We, we, we meet in the middle. We, we've talked about this. So the, you know, mm-hmm. listeners, we, we have, our text messages are long paragraphs of us ta- debating um, or talking about like the differences between what Cecilia and her lit analysis and my media lens are are you know conflicting and also um, overlapping and it's it's really oh if you guys could see our text messages you would be like wow this is a lot but yeah. so enjoyable for both of us. <laughs> It's very enjoyable for both of us. You would either be like, wow, they're so intelligent. I cannot wait to read more. And then either that or just be like, this is insufferably boring. What are they? Why are they spending their time talking about the meaning of art? Um, Whatever. It's fine. But that does kind of like, then it does bring in this question. It's like, okay, well then like, what does this have to do with women? So like, I am really interested in in talking about like women as a title as a category as an identity um and then also feminism because feminism is why we have women's history month and feminism's like always in crisis because when you're trying to come up with a theory for like half the world you know eventually people are it doesn't take long for people to fight um so i always find that really interesting about feminism but then like the like I mentioned earlier, like woman, the category just starts to really fall apart at the seams really quickly. Um, and so <clears throat> I am just really interested in kind of asking you, because I've been kind of having a hard time with this over the past few months, thinking about like what what is attached to that identity marker. Um, well, it's kind of interesting though, too, right? Because when um, you had brought up like the woman question, right? I also <laughs> kind of wanted to like um, answer with the question of like, okay, but woman versus female too, right? Oh, um, yeah. Because that is also a part of where we are in in Women's History Month and with feminism and where we stand right now in, at least in the US, actually, let's go as far as to say it's a global crisis, right? Of like what is the definition of woman right um and i i think that when i think of defining woman and a bit a large part of you know my everyday for my job is defining like frameworks that are how we 
um, talk about something within a show, right? And which kind of sometimes really um, conflicts with what I would love to say in my own personal life is that like woman for me is this, you know, it's a very flexible term and it's a Mm -hmm. term that's still being defined and will probably be defined for a really long time, especially with where we are at with gender identity, with gender norms, with um, the expansive idea of gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but then it goes back to like feminism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's all very conflicting, but it's like you said, it kind of, it falls apart really quickly because it falls apart because it lacks intersection. And Mm. then when you're talking about feminism, when you're talking about womanhood, you also have to teach about intersection. And a lot of people don't want or don't even really understand intersectionality because that's the, your mm-hmm. ability to see every walk of life, right? And yeah, that's really hard. You, yeah, yeah. So what? Um, give us like a quick. I guess do we need a rundown on on intersectionality? I think that feels yes. <laughs> what? Let's do a quick like rundown on intersectionality. I would like to hear your thoughts because I like. I've done all the legal studies like this is what intersectionality is and it's not as interesting so <laughs> I want to hear from you um so this is coming from like my organizing and activist uh background so this is how I define um uh intersectionality and it really came from I've actually had this conversation in multiple uh areas with different studios with different um showrunners um where they have no idea what intersectionality is. And and I'm like, well, do I? And I keep, right now I'm thinking about how like right now there's that um, woman who did the interview about what the definition of woke is and she completely brain farted and how that's viral right now. But um, so I hope I am not that woman, but the way that I define it, intersectionality is, or the way to look at it is just how you relate to other, um, other people, right? So um here's a good example of like black feminism right um that's two intersection points and Mm -hmm. i could have those intersection points where you don't but it's recognizing that there is an intersection so if you're looking think of the visual like everyone visualize in your mind uh, a map of whatever city that you're in right Mm -hmm. different streets intersect at different points but it's still a part of this greater city, right? There's all these different intersections. That is basically how you're looking at the world, right? So you're looking at different people can be on two, will intersect in two different streets. So two different parts of their lives will intersect. But that doesn't mean where you are will have those same intersections, but you recognize and understand that those intersections exist. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the simplest way to define it. So yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it, it was that is exactly how it was Kimberly Crenshaw who like termed the term and that's the exact that is the exact like metaphor she gives is standing at an intersection yeah in like a in a city um as a way of just kind of conceptualizing when you have two sort of opposing but definitely crossing streams of traffic and having to kind of like step feel like you're kind of um, stepping kind of back and forth between two different, um, <clears throat> two different arenas, and there's 
yeah, I <clears throat> have seen a lot of um, other people write about um, kind of like there's double consciousness and there's uh, mestiza consciousness, kind of these like other ways of explaining what it means to occupy like multiply oppressed categories or typically seen as multiply oppressed categories um, and how those overlap and intersect in ways that, um, you know, is not as seen for someone who is maybe like say singly oppressed or singly oppressed, especially in the terms of uh, history, in terms of society, in terms of the law, um, whether day to day it looks quite like that is, you know, always, always kind of part of the, the thing. But yeah, yeah, intersectionality is a crucial part of the of, of womanhood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of all of it, of all of, of womanhood. Yeah, and it's even um, it's even interesting because so so many people. What I found really interesting about the intersectionality conversation is that <clears throat> when you talk about like multiply different types of like oppressions or marginalizations, is like it does tend to go beyond even, you know, race, class, gender, sexuality, like eventually in disability, like you tend getting, you tend to go out further and further and further. And it's like, oh, there are those who suffered from, um, you know, <clears throat> maybe they had lots of money, but poor education, or maybe they had whatever number of things. And so then kind of looking at how other experiences of life um, that maybe don't neatly fall into these like large identity categories that we're always kind of contending with, um, how intersectionality can also be a way of at least understanding the feeling of being at having multiple um, identities clash or overlap. Yeah, I mean, it really just wraps it back to like empathy. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, can't, do you have the ability to expand your word and definition with, you know, just adding more empathy to it? Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's funny that like the common commonality is just empathy for everything. Right. So, mm -hmm. but what do you define as woman? Like, what do you, oh, God. <laughs> see, this is also, this is a very, very interesting thing for me because like, I am very a cishet woman like pretty easy across the board like um but then I also had such like a fundamentalist background fundamental Christian background that I've I've had to like kind of work at peeling back how that shows up um in my own thinking um and so I for myself if I had to define it for myself I feel most woman when I'm occupying my like my mother Category mm. or identity um everywhere else i'll kind of just like flex it um but mother is the one that i i am very very attached to um and so part of my thing is learning how to be attached to that for myself but not necessarily but not for everybody um and that's been like a really interesting part of of my life but then also um <clears throat> another thing um with woman oh 
was something that I forgot. So we're going to circle back to it. <laughs> we will circle back. It happens. But um, it's really yeah. interesting that you say um, mother is the part that like identifies for, because for me, when uh, even just like the term woman, right? Like it's, how we define women is really interesting. And I wanted to uh, circle back to this later. We'll probably talk about it more when we dive a little bit more into the MCU is that like feminine energy and that masculine energy part. Like every woman has both. Every man has both. Mm -hmm. Right. But we still, and kind of, you know, we still separate like the gender norms of like femininity is only like a certain amount of things and masculinity is only a certain amount of things. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember now what I was going to say, another thing that I've really been having to work on is to not see, um, not have my attachment to the woman category be based on victimhood either. Ooh. Cause I do think that that is a major trap for a lot of women that we're kind of the main thing that's keeping us like, you have to hear, you have to listen to me. You have to include, I should be included. I need to be part of the conversation. I need to da, 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 is kind of like this perpetual state of victimization. And so what does it look like to kind of step out of that and still be a woman? Like, and I feel like it actually is, it's been a lot harder for me to conceptualize, like to be a not victimized woman you know what I mean that's totally understandable and like just me like uh my brain the neurons are like firing off of like that you know the general idea of feminism is victimhood though right so Mm -hmm. if if you were to ask most and I hate that I'm making this generalization and everyone can you know debate me on this after um welcome but um (laughs) i you know if you ask most men about feminism they're gonna tell you they're gonna explain it with victimhood in it it's that women are arguing that they don't have Mm -hmm. rights when they do have rights and all Mm -hmm. these things right so um it's a really interesting i don't know it's a really interesting point that you make about victimhood and yeah it's been a it's been a tough one because then like some of it is like I mean I do have a lot of rights I mean right now they are often contested they are being contested quite a bit um in our government but like I do have I have I have to recognize that sometimes like I do have rights and people feminism did win on a lot of fronts and so now like kind of reimagining feminism and woman with that is is been really interesting because I don't necessarily want my daughter Rosa to have like a victim attachment to being a girl. Right. No, totally. Cause, and that's, I think what now, like with the MCU too, that, um, Mm -hmm. is that you're getting, and then the MCU and every other, you know, show and television is that wokeifying is actually just giving Mm -hmm. girls, you know, boys, children, the opportunity to just have more to relate to and yeah. more positivity to relate to also. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just had a, a brain fart, though, to myself. So <laughs> we can... It's okay. We can oh, I did want to... I wanted to... <laughs> I just realized what it was. I wanted to say, like, okay, if we're talking about what feminism in terms of rights like what right now in this month of march 2023 
is being mm-hmm. attacked. We're still fighting for abortion rights in this country. Right. Right. We are still fighting for pay equity. Um, yep. We're still fighting for a lot of things. We just celebrated Michelle Yeoh, right? Uh, and yes. uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Just she's. We're still getting first. It's 2023, and we're still getting like first for. Uh, women of color first for mm-hmm. um, you know BIPOC uh, representation mm-hmm. there's we do have rights but equity is still not there like we yeah. we are yeah. still creating opportunities for people um, and we're still waiting for people to pull us up to the table um, and or mi- even just making our own table <laughs> yeah yes yeah I yeah, it definitely is not, it's not perfect. I think that like, because of the, the type of background I come from, I'm like, this whole new world of feminism is so like, incredible. Like, there's just a few issues here and there. And I do have to kind of be like, well, there's more than a few. But yeah, uh, personal, personal background, definitely, definitely messed with my perspective. But to kind of like, to bring kind of this whole conversation, like, you know, art, women female <laughs> uh narratives uh you know into the MCU um I'm really interested just in your investment in Marvel um what is what it's what is that investment like motivated by and like where does gender kind of fit into that or does it well because um, I was reading your notes and I was like, oh, I should talk about like where Marvel really started for me, right? So um, Marvel has always been in the background of my life for some extent. Uh, I'm a late 80s kid. Um, so I was raised on those iconic 90s Marvel animation and comics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have like the 1992 X-Men and like the 1994 Spider-Man series that are like animation um masterpieces in my opinion and um those made me really love marvel and then on top of that i'm a little sister so i Mm -hmm. wanted to bond with my older brother and do whatever he was into um and reading comics um you know trading character cards uh was a big thing um going Mm -hmm. to the library checking out comic books was really exciting um and then just those are those 90s shows were just those animation shows were just so good though too. and i don't even know if this is like to go with the 90s as well um they were just so good they had they had women that were characters they were support roles they were villains they were main characters you had like um you had jean gray you had like jubilee you had rogue you had um and then you had like the the Spider-Man series where you got to see Shadow Cat, you got to see like mm-hmm. Spider-Woman, you got to see all these other ones. So mm-hmm. it's like interesting that was as we like evolved, right? We <laughs> kind of took that away for some reason and like made Marvel more masculine. And then um, uh, for me, like the investment in terms of like gender and really seeing being the analysis starting for the MCU is when when Marvel became live action. So you have those like early Marvel pieces, like the Eric Bana Hulk. Right. And then, um, 
Uh, what else is there? It just is like an intrusive thought sometimes, that film. <laughs> just like randomly be like, ah, God, that happened, didn't it? <laughs> Who, I think, is Jennifer Connelly in that one? Or is she in the other one? Yeah, Jennifer Connelly is in that one. And I, that's like all I remember. Like Jennifer Connelly and like her sad eyes for some reason. <laughs> her but, sad eyes. <laughs> But, um, like, it's, no, and then, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, which I know is dear to your heart, and, um, the, you know, and then you have, like, the awful Brian Singer X-Men movies, which, uh, you know, I, like, I, I'm talking about how I love the X, like, the 90s X-Men. I also love the 2000 X-Men evolution, where they also did really well in terms of animation and, like, developing women as character girls and women because that was like Mm -hmm. the teen x-men right yeah and so when we got these live action ones women were just like left out and it was like hard to to not have that analysis because that is my identity and like i'm you know watching these films and it's like yeah i love these characters but like what about all these other cool women that were in this or like mm-hmm. or like I remember that character differently in you know print and comics or in the animated mm-hmm. series and um and then then you get like the MCU now and now we're starting to see again the identity of women so like when yeah. we had Iron Man we still didn't have really anyone until Black Widow and then Black Widow did, can I even really say or analyze that as, like, really good representation? I don't know. I think that her arc, like, the way she transformed over the MCU has a lot to say about. There's a reparative reading in there. Yeah. So, for me, like, it's this intersection of art and culture. It's just, like, Marvel is a part of my identity. And I don't even, like, I know I started, came onto this pod, actually, for DC stuff. But... <laughs> I realized that Marvel has literally been a part of my life forever. Um, (laughs) That's right. You did. (laughs) Yeah. I, what's really interesting is I think that I have a little bit of a different relationship. I definitely have a different relationship to it. So I, again, had a pretty conservative, like fundamentalist background. And so um, a lot of like, uh, popular things that made it to me it was all very filtered it was it was just like there wasn't a real I could never figure out the logic to it so Mm -hmm. I would like have to sneak some of these cartoons so I do remember like sneaking Spider-Man and being like that's really cool um it's very Spider-Man to sneak though it's amazing (laughs) I and my love for Spider-Man it's so interesting I was So I was 10 for my 10th birthday. Like my birthday present was watching the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Like I got to stay up after my siblings went to bed and we watched the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And it was like, we were moving. um, And we didn't, we were like in this really, really like shitty apartment. And I remember my dad had like moved the boxes out of the way, the TV so we could like see it. And I had been so excited for this movie for so long. And I really, like, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, why did I want to see this movie? Like, it didn't really, I saw, like, 
the Spider-Man popsicle and ice cream truck and would get it occasionally. Like the, when it came through. One of the best popsicles. One yeah, of those, the best. I really just got it for the gumballs because I was like, this is how you extend a dessert is get one with gumballs because then it's with you for like hours. Oh, that one or like the uh, Powerpuff and the Teenage Mutant Ninja? No, the Tweety one. The, the Tweety. tweety. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one all the time too. But yeah, and there was that. And then, I mean, I knew his power set and I thought it was really cool because I was a gymnast. So I was like really interested in acrobatics and uh, this whole... I was always very obsessed with like transformations, like like people turning into things or people kind of like uh, acquiring new abilities. Like I always, I've always found that so fascinating. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that that kind of all contributed to my like, I want to see this movie. I'm going to see this movie. Um, and Peter Parker also managed to like speak to me at a very different level. And this actually kind of goes back to like some of those identity things. Like, the idea being a girl was not what I was thinking about. I was not thinking about how I was like not as cool as a girl. What I thought about was like, I connect with this character um, because what he cares about is responsibility. And as the oldest of five <laughs> as the oldest of five kids, like I cannot tell you how often it was like, you know, you have to be very responsible, you have to be responsible. Like responsibility was such a big thing for me. It was such a value. And so this person who really internalized the like call to take responsibility for like your community was it resonated with me so deeply and I felt like it resonated with me kind of in spite of my being a girl and him being a boy <clears throat> and so so many of my attachments for so long were to like male characters um because I just I had a very hurt again a kind of like woman as victim sort of situation so I was like well my way out of that is to like kind of identify with these male characters um and so it was almost like there's kind of these very opposing streams of opposing forces going on shaping these these attachments that I had and so <clears throat> and you mentioned like once you get to the MCU MCU like and also it was 2008, I think, when the first Iron Man came out. I mean, this is like peak Iran, Iraq, military era. Like, you know, mid-aughts on <clears throat> what did the reason, like, those female characters, or I would take a guess. And one of the reasons those female characters all kind of fell by the wayside is, like, this very militaristic macho man figure was like what was the heartbeat of America again, you know? And so there's, there's that whole soldier element. And then, you know, <clears throat> all these guys in the middle East are the bad guys. Like that is Iron Man one. And so that's where the whole thing starts off. And then you get Captain America, which is like this glorious world war two guy. And then Thor is just, I don't know, a hottie from space. So we'll give this one to the ladies, I guess. Um, the hottie from space. We'll take it. Um, <laughs> it remains to be so. And I will accept it in all the forms it comes. So like, yeah. So yeah. No, I mean, I honestly, I completely forgot that the timeline of Iron Man and the war were lined up. Um, on it, 
2008, I saw Iron Man with like my college sweetheart and on a date that was like one of our first dates. So that is what Iron Man is to me. But I mean, Marvel in its entirety, just from the comics, it's military propaganda. Like that's what Mm -hmm. comics were for, right? They wanted to encourage boys to enlist. So it's like, it's interesting to see that interpreted now in, in, in this. So, wow. Like, thank you for reminding me of that. But I mean, the, the odds were a dark time. (laughs) 9-11, just, yeah, for the next little bit. um, Yeah, it's a mess. So that does kind of though, I mean, that's kind of getting to where Marvel, Marvel's representations of women has failed. So like, you know, starting off the bat, you know, Iron Man one, it's like women. I never heard of her. Who is she? Does it, it make it worse that like Gwyneth Paltrow is really like our first woman in the MCU. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have been working so hard. I'm just like, trying to be as generous a person as possible. I'm like, you know what? I don't know what she had to overcome. Bloody, 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 blah. And then I just like think of goop. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried with you. I'm glad you like your kale salads or whatever, but I cannot with this $1,000 t-shirt. I don't get it. Which is so funny because um, goop and like Netflix have like a whole deal where they put out like documentary series all the time. And like, I've watched some of them and they're kind of amazing um, because they're so outlandish, but like, I don't, you know, the, yeah, I don't know, but we, we got Gwyneth Paltrow as our first, like as our pepper pots, which you're the pepper pots to this podcast. We just gotta, well, you'll always be the pepper pots. Um, the best pepper pots there is. Um. <laughs> this is the beginning of our recast pepper pots campaign. Reboot pepper pots. Um, pepper pots would be great. I'm Peppa Pig. Maybe we Peppa can get pots. Peppa Pig pots. <laughs> but what has the MC done wrong for women? That's a big question. Um, so we have phase one, like you just explained, and which is really interesting because it kind of goes back to the masculine feminine part that I was talking about because I see Chris Evans as a very a great actor who like dives deep into like his feminine side. And like, that's how I interpret Captain America. I, Even the- I, I agree with you. I don't know that... I don't know that all the dudes would would agree with you, but I agree with you. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, our, you know, hottie from space, also quite in touch with his feminine side. So Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. And then we have, you know, Scarlett Johansson, uh, right? So, um, you know, Asian superstar. Um, She... I don't. I don't even know because I I was on that Black Widow podcast uh, podcast for this pod with mm-hmm. Howard and we talked about how you know finally we see this arc that we get uh, of Black Widow getting her own namesake film right. Mm-hmm. Yet it was still made in the male gaze, 
right? So, um, yeah. So now we're in what what phase are we in? Five. We're at the start of five. Yeah, phase five, baby. Um, Started it with uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Uh, which I saw for $6 in matinee. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I did that. Um, but, (laughs) but, um, I agreed with, if you guys haven't listened to the, the pod on Ant-Man and the, um, quantum mania, you should go listen to that pod because it's such a great pod. Um, shout out to the guys and Howard and Anthony. Um, mm-hmm. They they covered that really well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you, it's, it's it's really interesting that we're in phase five because that movie kind of brings up the question of like, have we defined women right yet? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> the women in that film fell very flat on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... It was really tough. I was a hard. <laughs> so Rosa does not love Marvel movies. And so we're like, I'm always kind of like, I will buy you your own bag of candy. If you please just come. I already bought your ticket. I've known to watch you. Please just come. And I was like, and there's some girls. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, where are the girls? Like, she was like, I don't see it. And so, and she, Rosa is one of those people that's like, I want to see girls. I want to see girls doing girly shit. Where is it? Um, I do hold hope. Again, this is me just like generous readings out the wazoo. I hold out hope because I do think that the way she read to me was this. She actually kind of read as like those. uh, The feminists of the 1970s, the white feminists of the 1970s that we kind of like we poke fun at right now. But who actually, like, for the time, were incredibly radical, but just didn't know that they were onto something radical, if that mm. makes any sense. Yeah, because that makes a like, lot of sense. She's doing this. She's, op- I mean, we see, when we first meet her in the film, she's, like, coming out of a jail cell because she's been, like, you know, arrested <clears throat> at a protest um, where the police were, like, kicking out a bunch of houseless people or moving a bunch of houseless people. Um and so I thought that, that was a really interesting note to start her character on. I think that the the performance of her and her all of that, like that, it gets a little shaky throughout the film. But the introduction of her in that specific moment, I, I do find really interesting because it does kind of speak to like this Gen Z um, <clears throat> political heart that is I think that a lot of you know and I'm a TA so I'm like teaching a lot of undergrads like college students right now and they are very moved by these like political issues that are that are happening and I just like read a bunch of papers recently where they were talking about like you know the Black Lives Matter protest was all over my Instagram feed and like I felt like in my body I had to move to do something Ooh, so they want like want to identify with the yeah, and so I think that there's there is like there there's something going on there that I do think can can have potential. The potential is not seen in this movie. Um, the ants ended up <laughs> representing an organized left in the end. So 
shout out to <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, my big I thing with that movie, that movie though. That, <laughs> my big thing with that movie was like the discrimination in terms of like both one they it was just like extremely racist and also ageist to just like not say that um you know what is it jane no what's what's hope's mom's name why i can't even remember janet 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 okay janet and uh kang boned just say it it happened (laughs) it would like that's levels of ageism and racism right there like and like the feminist in me was angry i was like why can't we got bill murray i was like what is this this does nothing for my imagination um why can't an older woman bone an incredibly attractive man like they're both attractive people like that's yes and i i think that also she wasn't that old when they first met up is my that's that's my yeah so so then there really is no excuse and then you bill murray please no thank you anyway but one like that movie it just yeah like you have cassie who's just there and existing and like some example like she's kind of an example of like very um of of white feminism she's just Mm -hmm. like yeah i want to i want to do things but like doesn't really have a motivation per se (laughs) but Yeah, it, it does feel like, and it doesn't seem like there's a good reason for her not to have a motivation because she was kind of like left largely to her own devices. We still don't know where mom was for those five years, but like she actually has seen the world go to complete shit. And so like she has all the reasons exactly. to be incredibly politically like upon it. And yeah, there wasn't, it did feel like kind of just more of a naivety. I just, it it really just brings the question of like, we're now in phase five and these women didn't really have great lines and they didn't really have identities that really stuck with you. So like, where are we going forward? Because now we have like, mm-hmm. what do we have? Like the Marvels where we have three women and then mm-hmm. phase four, we thought we were getting, phase four was such a big step in terms of like women, right? Yeah. In women's history for the uh, MCU, yeah. um, they made huge strides. But then your first part of this next phase really feels flat in terms of like what is where are women standing in in this? And um, I guess we can talk about phase four a little bit, right? So yeah, yeah, because I do think that that is where if we're gonna talk about successes, I think that that is probably where the successes are the most evident um because i i actually did watch almost all of this past last week i guess on um, international women's day there was that like short docuseries uh by zoe saldana called m power and it is very cheesy um but it's like kind of following marvel women um and i had guarded hopes (laughs) for it um but it was interesting one of the things that they 
start with like the women of Black Panther. And I think that that is a real moment of like really getting women right. And I think a lot of that seems to have to um, kind of relate to, interestingly, Ryan Coogler and Chadwick Boseman very much leveraging their positions to kind of open that up a little bit more. But that was just my take. What are your year? Yeah, I mean, shout out Ryan Coogler. Like, shout out Oakland. Um, yes. I, I, do, <laughs> I do agree. Like, the women of Black Panther are by far the best definition of, like, what women should stand for in the MCU. Um, <laughs> they are... Uh, if They are the perfect toe of feminine like feminine energy and masculine energy the perfect example of like women can be a superhero but also be you know be feminine and be strong in their own completely different way and Mm -hmm. yet it really like you just said it really probably is a testament to to ryan and and chadwick right because Mm -hmm. none of that translates to any other characters in the mcu (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah the I, that is one of those moments where like the the creators and the people like on set um making a lot of the calls like day-to-day does seem to have a real impact on on how that is perceived because like those women aren't incredibly they're like redefining blackness they're redefining womanhood they're redefining femininity they're redefining like a gazillion things just in of like even if they only have you know Io only has a a few minutes max on screen and she's able to really um just push the boundaries of kind of like our expectations about women and especially black women that I think are so so important and obviously has resonated because Black Panther is still probably like culturally the biggest success of marvel i i would say like i think that as a cultural moment black panther is probably one of the biggest ones oh a hundred i mean i'm also you know being from the bay and being from where ryan cooler is from i got to have amazing experiences with this film where just being in the theaters like the people coming out of that i'm watching alongside of our full costumed or this last movie they were all the the majority of the theater that I was in they were in um white costumes for the funeral and stuff like that which is is it's just a cool part but um like you just said they're defining so many different things and it really just makes it every time I think of the women of Black Panther and just like the example that they are I always like begin to to wonder about how it's such a great example of feminism in general just how black women have built feminism on their backs yet Mm. they don't get necessarily the spotlight for it and Mm. for the moment and like if we're we're talking about women's history like we we you know black feminism is seen as this like completely separate thing from feminism where Mm -hmm. i think it's it feminism really stems from it and we don't talk about it enough but (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i I agree. I mean, yeah. And what's so interesting too is like so often like black feminists 
have been a part of like kind of mainstream feminism, which is often like coded as white feminism. Like there, it's not like there's not cross-racial coalitions happening all the time, you know, but it does kind of like when it gets into um, the way it is discussed or circulated, like generally it does kind of end up being we're, we're separating people. And I think one of the beauties of Black Panther in particular too is like the women are definitely like, I I am not taking shit from you. Like they're very, very empowered, but they're not empowered at the like expense of others, male or female. Like they are very much like there is empowerment to for everybody. Like we can all be this way. And they very much lift are part of this, you know, communal project of everybody being lifted up um, that I think is incredibly beautiful because, you know, talking about the whole masculine feminine energy, like the men in that film also very much embody both of those quite well. And there just seems to be a lot more of a, of a, an attending to, kind of those nuances in that dance that I think is so crucial. And so in that way, it kind of also gives space for like masculinity and not toxic masculinity, but like masculinity also to have its day. Cause like, I am not anti-masculinity. I'm very attracted to, to masculine, love like masculine men. I just don't want them to be like assholes. And so that's kind of <laughs> what I think is so beautiful about Black Panther is they all kind of work um, in a very delicate balance. It's gorgeous. Could not agree more about, I love masculine men, but I don't want them to be assholes and I don't want them to be so pro-military. Yeah. Yeah. Would love for that. For love for masculinity, not to equal military. But we, okay. So phase four, we also got, um, it started with uh, WandaVision, right? So WandaVision is a big, part of which is really funny i thought wandavision was a great example of feminism i thought it was yeah and i yes a couple days ago when i was like working on my notes for this pod i was like reading how many articles are so mad at wandavision and people are mad about wandavision not being feminist enough and i was so confused by it Mm. and and it's like, oh, they like simplify this woman to just motherhood and to like just being rage filled because she lost her kids and women aren't that simple. And I'm like, I don't think she was simple in any way. And I don't think motherhood is simple. <laughs> yeah, the mother. So I, I that does that is frustrating to me. I I was with like multiverse and madness. I was a little anxious about the whole like hysterical female, especially female becoming hysterical from reading a book <laughs> was like the part where I was like, Oh boy, this is getting into some shaky ground. But um, I do think that the reclamation of motherhood as like a, a, a powerful emotional source and just like a source of extreme power is really really beautiful and I I find it that's something I've always struggled with like generally with a lot of like big feminism issues or at least the way feminism was kind of always pitched to me is like 
sort of this anti-mother um, thing, which is obviously, it's not true, but there are, ob- like, as you just kind of mentioned, these lines of, like, <clears throat> if it's propping up motherhood, you know, then it's anti-feminist or it's which, not feminist enough. <laughs> but that's, like, that's, that's, like, choice feminism, isn't it? In its very yes. definition. And, yeah, right. um, um, I just, like, what what is the goal of feminism right it's for all of us to feel seen and heard in this world and mm. we have to recognize that motherhood is a large part of being a woman a woman and it's a lot i don't know i just like we demean the idea of motherhood a little mm-hmm. too much and i don't think that um, in terms of feminism, that's like what needs to happen. And I think that we also, mm-hmm. we see Wanda in so many different lights as a mother in so many different ways. And um, I don't know if it's just like my age. I'm in my, you know, thirties where most of my friends are mothers. Um, and I mm-hmm. feel the need to just remember that like, yes, it is just only a part, a part of their identity, but it's also a big part. And I think it's a beautiful part and it's okay to like, also lean into mm-hmm. other women even if you're not a mother I don't know <laughs> yeah and it is such like a it's such a uh, <clears throat> I don't know it's a t- it's a hard thing because there are times when it's like oh I'm not just a mother but then there are other times where I'm like I am a mother and that is the most important thing and it, it is a, it's so contradictory like within itself uh, being in that category and then also I mean caretaking generally is very hard (laughs) um taking care of an infant is hard growing them inside you and birthing them um is hard and that's not all mother's experiences um but it was mine it's where one of like a major source of femininity was was generated for me and so um so yeah watching watching Wanda go through that in a very like concentrated period of time wasn't was very like a visceral I got a visceral reaction out of it and I was like yeah she's going to like she will kill you and won't blink an eye if, if it were my kids I would kill you and not blink an eye like I would throw things at you <laughs> so yeah that's what she's doing so her character I, I actually, oh, you want to talk about Multiverse of Madness? Because you said the other night, you're like, I don't see her as civil. And so I'd be really interested to hear kind of your thoughts on her there. I don't, I, I, I like love that she's a villain and, or like she, it, I don't know. I like, it, it, this came about, um, I sent you that. So I sent Cecilia a text about, multiverse of madness because i was reading these articles and like mm-hmm. people were so mad that wanda became a villain and i was like this kind of badass that she did like she you know like um i i, I love when there's so many pieces of film and tv where women are never allowed to just be evil and women are there are women who are inherently evil. It's like, it's not a gender thing. Like Mm -hmm. evil isn't defined by your gender. And so getting this representation of like, especially in the MCU of like Wanda to become a villain um, and in an arc 
we are everybody is inherently both good and bad we make mistakes we Mm -hmm. do these things right and so in the defense of her like she did these things for her the sake of like finding her children um and then um but it's it's um it's amazing how um how many women are actually mad about that so but you like you really you didn't see her as a villain right I didn't know what to do. I was like, why are we doing this? (laughs) Because I felt like the movie was telling me she's a villain. And I was like, I don't know that I, I, I bought that all the way. And I don't even think that she, like her character, she doesn't see herself that way either. And she's like, she kind of says she does. She's like, you know, I've already been the villain. So whatever. But it's kind of like a, okay, I call me whatever you need to call me. This is what I have to do. This is what I need to be doing. Um, And I think that that's kind of disregard for how she's being labeled in order to just kind of like to get past it, to get to the next thing that has to be done, which to her is like to rest, like save her kids. Um, Misguided as that might be, like within that film, I do think that that is an incredibly powerful move and yeah I I yeah very much just resonated with it the whole is it good is it bad like when you're if you're if you have that kind of parent instinct kick in like the moral or ethical dilemmas are not really necessarily forefront it's it's like a it is a very primal thing so I think that that's that's super interesting, but yeah, we love, we love Wanda. Um, before yeah. you wrap us up, um, let's, let's do two quick, really quick points. The, the female fighting bit in Endgame. We, we can't talk about women's history month. We can't talk about the women's history in MCU without saying the female fighting bit in Endgame, this right? This is the, the document, the female document. <laughs> um, yeah, it is the best. I, 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 I like. I say it's the best. It's actually not good, but I love it, and I that is my takeaway. Like, um, little girl Cecilia is like, pop off. This is great. I, I will say like the the whole them standing together was like peak cringe, but like some you know it's like peak cringe that you want to love. But like when they would break into like groups of three and start fighting, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, <laughs> um. yeah. I I mean, and the other thing too is it's also incorporated in this whole scene, which is already like so emotionally driven. So you're already kind of like, you know, pumping your early am to this day. But when I watch it, you know, I've watched that one scene probably fifty times, and every time I'm like, oh yeah. But whenever the women, like, to have them kind of part of this emotional swell is, like, doubly meaningful for me. Because, like, to include them in our emotional landscapes is, is I, I, really important, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Yay, women. Yay, <laughs> women. Um, I don't think we even really need to touch on She-Hulk. I think... That you can hear me on the other on the She-Hulk pod talk about. Yeah, that. the other pods do a great breakdown of that. Please go back and listen to the the She-Hulk pods. 
Um, we're both ready? on different. We're both on different episodes. You can definitely check them out. Um, yes. But yes. Is- yeah. So I guess I mean obviously we could talk about women forever, Marvel forever. Um, sometimes I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I identify more as someone who's like way too obsessed with Marvel than I than I identify as a woman. So to bring them together is great. We love that. <laughs> um, but to to the listeners, um, thank you very much for listening to this special episode. To listening to Shiv and I just, you know, kind of amp on us for a while. That's very fun. We're shooting um, the shit about women, is what we're doing. The shit. <laughs> That's right. Um, thank you to Jake and to AC, to the wonderful, wonderful people behind Marvel Cinematic University podcast. We love you for giving us Jake Christie. Thank you for giving us this uh, this space to do so. Um, <coughs> Shiv, what, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on social media at Shivani Banfall. Um, I am in the Discord every um now and then please join the discord and come interact with us yeah. um, i believe it's a tier of the patreon um but, yes yes uh, if you want to find lifelong friends as shivani and i have found um it's three dollars to join the discord and then you get bonus content which again shiv and i are also on which are very very fun um and then <clears throat> where can yeah. they find you for myself, I am on Twitter at Cecilia M Stokes One, um, and then Instagram, which is where I'm more active, at Cecilia M Stokes. Um, again, if you're not a regular listener to this podcast, you should be. So you should rate and review and subscribe and do the whole thing on all the platforms. Uh, we've plugged the Patreon a gazillion times at this point. So it's patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. Um, but really, though, like if you're a part of the pa- if you're a Patreon already, if you're a part of the Discord, we'd love to hear more about your interpretation of women and everything <laughs> about it in the Discord. Please yeah. like add us in the Discord. Let's let if you want to debate anything you heard in here. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you. D- <laughs> Yeah, I dare you to try to do this. (laughs) But um, for myself, for Shivani, this is a very special episode of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. And y'all have a good one. Mm -hmm.